Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hey, beautiful mamas, it's Ashley here. Before we hop into the episode, I just wanted to give a quick disclaimer as this episode isn't like our normal episodes, and we might be using terminology that isn't ideal for little ears. So if you typically listen to the podcast in the car with your kiddos or in public spaces without headphones, this episode might be a good one to put those headphones in and listen in a place that might be a bit more private. So Just a disclaimer that we are talking about sex and intimacy, and we just want to make sure that you feel as comfortable as possible throughout the episode. So we're super excited to share it with you today, and we hope it offers you some hope and insight into the topic of sex after NICU and or birth trauma. Hi, mamas, and welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and Ashley. We're so glad you're back here with us today. You know, sometimes on the podcast, we have the opportunity to interview incredible mamas, hear about their journeys, and other times we get to interview experts. Sometimes it's NICU specialists, sometimes it's mental health specialists, and that is the case today. We have back on the podcast, Natalie Ryder from Prairieland Counseling, LLC. I always throw an LLC, but it's just (laughs) because it makes me feel powerful. Welcome back, Natalie. Thank you. And technically, it's my legal name. So yes, that is good. I I am all about legality as well. Um, Natalie, we've had you on before. Fans of the podcast will know you by name. They love you. They love your voice. Oh, Um, thank you. They think it's very calming. And you do. You just have a very compassionate presence. And we're so grateful that you're a friend of us and the show. Oh, well, you guys are wonderful. I love the NICU Mama community. I am just absolutely just and thrilled that you invite me to come back again and again. And hopefully at the end of this episode, you guys will also be coming again and again. I love that. Natalie, that was good. It took me a minute to totally get what you said. And I that was clever. Thank you. That's so good. I'm obsessed. I love it. Well, Ashley, maybe that's a good segue for the topic of today's podcast episode. That's a very good segue. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. That was great. (laughs) Oh man. Well, mamas, if you saw the title of this podcast episode, it has that three letter word sex in it. And so it's probably pretty obvious that we're going to be talking about sex. And sex, especially after birth trauma and or NICU trauma, as we all know, is very different than it was prior to those experiences in our lives. And so we wanted to have a safe and honest conversation about the the topic of sex with somebody that has the compassionate and gentle approach as Natalie does. And also... Because we know that Valentine's Day is right around the corner and there can be a lot of pressure and maybe desire too, but maybe sex feels different than it did. And maybe you find yourself not enjoying it like you once did. So we wanted to offer some resources and conversation to kind of prep you for special occasions like Valentine's Day. So thank you, Natalie, for being willing to chat with us. Of course. <laughs> well, maybe- to say, I'm like way more nervous for this episode than Ashley is. We're on totally different sides of the spectrum here. And I think, I think it's important to highlight because there are certain parts of culture. Like I am even nervous to say the word, you know, the one I'm talking about. Uh, and half of the word. Penis? Is that the word? Yes, or vagina? Wait until we start talking about masturbation, Martha. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just toys. <laughs> but it's, it is important to talk about about because if you don't, right, then right. nothing changes. Nothing helps. Mm-hmm. Nothing feels better or feels right. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's um, I want to say if you're someone who feels uncomfortable or if you feel like your whole body <laughs> flushing when you talk about these things, you are not alone. Like I am there <laughs> with you and we're going to get through it together. We're going to grow together today. <laughs> yes. 
I love it. Well, maybe, Natalie, let's just start off right at the bat and just talk about what changes after having a baby. I think for many of us, um, new mothers that had a traumatic birth story or NICU stay, that first time that you have sex, it can kind of be a shock of, wow, this feels very different and this isn't what it felt like prior. Or maybe just emotionally, it is, you know, it's like a whole whirlwind you weren't expecting. So, can we first just chat about what changes in our bodies after having a baby, especially emotionally? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, everything changes in your body after you have a baby. <laughs> um, and sex after, you know, having a baby is basically kind of like being a virgin all over again mm-hmm. in the sense that it is it can be a very different experience than anything that has happened before. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, in a really great way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but, you know, after we give birth, our, our, you know, whether you have like a C-section or whether you give vaginal birth, like our vagina has changed shape. Like mm-hmm. just the birth canal, obviously the head's going through, shoulders, feet. I mean, you've birthed a human being. And so the possibility of like internal abrasions, not even talking about episiotomies, um, you know, our our bodies are just different landscapes. Mm-hmm. But that can be a really wonderful thing in that things that maybe didn't feel as comfortable before feel comfortable now. Um, and a lot of people actually discuss that certain sensations actually heighten, um, you know, after giving birth. But I think, you know, it's very common for people to describe the first couple times, not even just the first time, but the first couple times postpartum to be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very normal and natural thing. Again, our body has gone through this very huge physical process. And so emotionally, you know, if we are used to having sex, and my guess is that almost everybody listening to this has had sex because they probably have had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you haven't had sex, it'll feel different having sex postpartum. Um, but, you know, even if you have had sex, having sex postpartum will just feel different because your vagina and your cervix and it is just different. Um, you know, it takes time for, you know, swelling to go down and things to get situated again, um, you know, that is all different. And so emotionally, when we have sex again, and it doesn't feel like it did like pre-pregnancy or even during pregnancy, we can feel like immense guilt and shame. And oh my God, I've, can I say the F word? Yes. I have fucked up fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, I love you. (laughs) But, you know, like, I have screwed up somehow. Like, this is, I thought this was supposed to be, like, easy and simple. And I knew what this was supposed to be like. And now it feels weird and awkward. And my boobs leak. And now what is this thing? Like, Mm -hmm. it's completely different. And so when we navigate sex postpartum, it really is about patience and forgiveness and compassion, mm-hmm. both with ourselves and our partners. Hmm. I think it's so interesting. So you're saying these things about like shame and like my body isn't working the way it's supposed to. And oh my gosh, doesn't that already just heighten those feelings that already exist for NICU moms, right? Like mm-hmm. my body didn't do this right. Like this is not a, um, building up to my expectations versus reality, right? It's just wild how how intertwined it is. I think that's what surprised me most about, you know, sex after giving birth and after NICU and stuff is it's just you expect to reset right away, but like everything mm-hmm. is different, fundamentally different. Yeah. 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 And like that's not even talking about like just like the different like hormonal changes mm-hmm. that occur, particularly mm-hmm. if you're um, breastfeeding. You know, um, breastfeeding impacts our estrogen level, pregnancy impacts our estrogen level, and a lot of times that will lead to vaginal dryness, which is Mm -hmm. something that not everybody has experienced prior to pregnancy or postpartum. Mm -hmm. And so even just the experience of vaginal dryness, which is very normal, um, is sometimes comes as a shock. So 
if you take anything out of this podcast, it's use lube. It's your friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when we talk about, you know, things being in different and feeling different, um, you know, your body may not be producing as much natural lubrication, which again is a normal response to childbirth. Um, lube is your best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about, you know, on that topic of just like natural lubricants, maybe like you say, before you had your baby or traumatic birth or NICU stay, you really liked sex. You wanted to have it often. It was like fun for you and your partner. And now you find yourself in your new postpartum body and your hormones and the last thing you want to have is sex. And it, it almost seems like your body doesn't want it because you you don't feel those same, you know, desires. Is that normal? Is that postpartum depression? Is that just hormones? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, again, that's not an abnormal thing by any means. Um, Our hormones actually can lower our libido. Um, You know, when we talk about things like depression, you know, you know, the neurotransmitters in the hormones impact our libido in that way. But just because we don't want to have sex doesn't necessarily mean that we're depressed. A lot of times we don't want to have sex because we haven't slept more than two hours in a row (laughs) and we haven't taken a shower in seven days. And, you know, especially with trauma, the Mm. idea of being touched Mm. um, is overwhelming. And especially, you know, moms who breastfeed in particular, moms in general, but moms who breastfeed in particular, just, you know, really talk about being touched out. You know, like I'm touched out. The last thing I want is to be touched. The last thing I want is to be around another human. Like I just need to be by myself. And so just even the thought of, you know, we have the capacity to feel touched out and that is normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good it, point. It totally makes sense too with if, when you layer the trauma on top of that, just because like your nervous system is on hyperdrive, right? So I, I mean, I'm trying, I'm even thinking like sometimes I'd have to like lay in dark rooms because it was just like, you can get overstimulated too quickly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the idea of your partner touch, like absolutely not 10 feet at all times. <laughs> yeah. You were like feet apart before the pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> you are experts on social distancing right? and, and washing hygiene. Yes. Totally. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love you, honey. Um, anyway. So that's that's so interesting to talk about. I mean, we talked a little bit about um, the importance of of adding lubrication and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, some things we we haven't really talked about the cesarean delivery stuff too. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, is that the, is all this the same for if you've had a C section? Because I know a lot of Nikki moms have had C sections. Yeah, I mean, you've had a head on your cervix. That thing does a little bit of uh, re- situating, um, you know, you have had a baby, so your hormone levels are still going to go a little up and down all over the place. And if you choose to breastfeed again, your hormone levels can kind of go up and down all over the place. And so, you know, and actually, you know, something to really think about, especially if you've had a C-section is not only have you given birth, but you also had major abdominal surgery. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, I can't laugh without needing a hydro. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to have need in order to have sex. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, they just cut through my abdomen. And so all of a sudden I'm supposed to be like, yeah, baby, let's get it on. Like, I, this feels great. Like that is, it's normal to be like, "Mm, I can't poop without it hurting. That makes, I'm a little nervous about other things. Right. Yeah. I remember dropping a pair of socks on the ground and crying because I knew I'd have to bend over and get it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that brings me back. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and then too, I mean, a lot of our moms, you know, they may have been super duper sick, you know, Mm -hmm. infection or right. Like uh, preeclampsia stuff. So your body is like, dealing with a lot of different things, right? The major surgery and then healing from um, some Mm -hmm. sort of other illness too. Like, oh my gosh, it it really is all coming back. My God, we go through a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, um, something else, I mean, talking about healing is like, like episiotomies and perineal tears, Mm -hmm. you know, um, oftentimes, um, not all the time, but oftentimes you will hear about, you know, women describing like getting stitched up really tight. Um, And so stretching and 
I should put a caveat in here. So like, I'm not a registered sex therapist. Um, so if you are suffering from something like vaginismus, which means like extremely painful penetration, um, you know, um, there are, there are trained therapists and psychologists trained and registered sex therapists who can work with all the things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I come at this with, from really kind of like the point of view of like what let's normalize a lot of what's going on. Obviously, mm-hmm. if something feels insurmountable or abnormal, like that would be kind of referred on. But oftentimes what I have found is that even just resolving a lot of the underlying trauma um, mm-hmm. and dealing with some of the emotional attachment allows people to really enjoy sex again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think oftentimes like you work to like get the baby healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And get through the NICU state and then you come home and you're like, okay, we're going to figure out parenting. So it just feels like such a last low priority thing, you know, <laughs> to even address, I mean, um, with your partner. Yeah. Yeah. It can feel like a really low priority thing. And I think – you know, especially if like you have had a pregnancy where you have stopped having sex before month nine, um, which again is a lot more common than people think. Mm-hmm. And so you might be coming up on, if you think about, if you stop having sex at month four of pregnancy and you are coming up on month four or five postpartum, that's nine or 10 months without mm-hmm. having sex. Mm-hmm. And women and men can oftentimes put a lot of pressure on this not having sex means that we don't have a good relationship and that's not true. And science backs that up. Frequency of sex does not determine marital satisfaction across the board. Can it be a part of it? Yes. Is it the whole thing? Can I be like, well, this person, couple A is having sex six times a week and couple B is having sex once a month. Couple A must be happier. No. And so, you know, even talking about frequency of sex, you know, something that's really important to know is that everybody is different and what is normal for you may not be normal for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about even the pressure to have sex postpartum, people are like, well, I've hit my six week mark and I got like the okay from a doctor. Well, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. But basically what that means is that your inside seemed healed. Right, right. You know, but that doesn't account for, oh, so your inside seemed healed. But again, you know, you haven't gotten much sleep, but, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can, your insides are healed. So you must be good to go. Or, you know, you're dealing with three other life stressors. So you must be good to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's interesting that you said that because I've just been thinking about since we talked, like you have that six week window, right? Where they're like, don't have sex for six weeks. So for those six weeks, you can kind of put it in the back of your mind and not – it's just one thing you don't have to think about. And then you get cleared and you're like, okay, you could have sex if you want. But then for many moms in the NICU, they're still in the NICU after six Mm -hmm. weeks. And so they're still in that traumatic moment and setting. So what role does trauma have to play in our desire to have sex? A a lot. Um, You know – Trauma is uh, trauma is a is a fickle mistress yeah. in that, you know, one of the signs of trauma can actually be acting out, which can actually fuel a sex drive. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for some people, it shuts them down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Martha had talked about overstimulation and really just needing to kind of, especially if, if we're hyper aroused and we're hyper vigilant and we're always on edge, you know, and engaging in something that is in and of its sense self sensual, you know, its purpose is to engage your senses feels very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. talking to NICU parents and they talk about, you know, all I hear are the beeps, all I hear are the sounds, all I hear is the gasping for breath, like, you know, things again that were maybe pleasurable, you know, pre pregnancy, pre NICU are just triggering postpartum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I think another triggering part of it and Ashley and I and so many people, we hear this over and over again is I'm afraid I'm going to get pregnant again, (laughs) to be honest. You know, you just had this traumatic pregnancy um, and delivery, right? And 
your baby just barely survived. Maybe they're a preemie. Maybe there was an injury at birth. Maybe they're, you know, they um, inhaled meconium, right? Something went wrong. And so the idea of it potentially happening again, even if you use 80 forms of birth control, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. is terrifying. And yeah. it, it's like, okay, and, and I, you hear, you know, I, I've heard stories of moms having back, you know, getting pregnant re- much earlier than they wanted to after a NICU stay. And it's frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's tough. This is one of those situations where there is no guarantee, 100%, that even, again, if you use 80 forms of birth control, you won't get pregnant again. And so you really just have to work on desensitizing and confronting and challenging the fear kind of associated with, you know, sex and any potential pregnancies. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think there's, there's an old wives tale that breastfeeding is an effective form of birth control. Um, And it is, and it's not, you know, it's pretty much like, pulling out where it's like, it seems like it should work, but the percentage of people who get, you know, who get pregnant from practicing that form of birth control is quite high, mm-hmm. you know? And so people are like, well, you know, I wasn't, I was breastfeeding. So I just assumed, and I hadn't gotten my period yet. And so I just assumed that I wasn't ovulating. And, and it's like, well, that can't be the way that you, you know, regulate your cycle. You And talking to your doctor mm-hmm. is so important when it comes to choosing a birth control that is effective and suits the lifestyle mm-hmm. that you and your partner engage in. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, if you and your partner decide that you are done and you have chosen to, to have a vasectomy, vasectomies, they up sex lives real fast. <laughs> and I know that everyone's like, this doesn't make sense. But there have been anecdotal and actual scientific studies done where um, people actually engage in more sex after a vasectomy and men actually really? enjoy sex more after a vasectomy. Interesting. Yes. Um, a large portion of it is because that mental burden of, mm-hmm. I don't want to have another child feels lifted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I have a personal like add on to that. And that is, I remember it was one of the first times that Ryan and I had sex after Silas was born. And after the, after that time we had sex, I started to bawl. And Ryan was like freaking out. He's like, did I hurt you? Like, what is wrong? And what it was, was before we had Silas, because Silas was our first kid, sex was exciting and there was this possibility of pregnancy, right? And at that time, we didn't know what a high-risk pregnancy was or what a NICU stay was. And so sex was this fun, exciting thing of like, maybe we'll get pregnant, maybe, we, you know, and it was kind of this like, there was excitement around it. And then after that time, it was like there was all of a sudden this fear around it and that thought of what if I get pregnant and that weight, like you mentioned, Natalie, of just constantly in the back of your head. And so one thing that we, you know, for my mental health had to do was not only am I on like a a form of birth control, but also a condom because we just needed that extra layer of security and so that when we were having sex we didn't have to think about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so that kind of gave me the validation I needed mentally to be able to enjoy sex again because yeah that fear of pregnancy was strong especially right away when we were just starting to have sex again yes the amount of married couples that are on birth control and use condoms you would actually be surprised at the number of people who are like so we're married um you know and I'm on a birth control but I also make them use a condom because (laughs) You know, yeah. we aren't really quite sure if we're ready to have another child or not, but we definitely know yeah. right now we're not. And yeah. so it's a huge factor. And, you know, what is also really tough about that fear of getting pregnant is if you struggled with infertility prior to a traumatic birth, right. you know, there's a double sandwich of guilt of, well, it took us so long to to get pregnant or to have a child. And then we've had this experience and now I'm worried about getting pregnant again, but shouldn't I be grateful if that happens again? Mm. It's just this really disgusting shame sandwich. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Shame is fun. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> for for a therapist to work on with their clients. There we go. There we go. Yes. There we go. Uh, so, I mean, now that we're kind of talking about, you know, okay, you're, you make some decisions about birth control and you talk about it with your partner, but maybe there's an unevenness in, in whether or not you're ready to have sex, you know, emotionally, physically, you know, your partner is really ready and would like to start trying to have sex again. And you're just not there. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you facilitate conversations that, um, you know, make it feel like a fair trade, I guess. I, I mean, maybe that's not a good way of putting it because there's two people in a relationship, but, right. um, to, to me, to kind of even it out and feel like you, you can be on the same playing field again. Well, I think, you know, that is a really great question. And, you know, again, there are other ways to achieve orgasm than through penetrative vaginal sex. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if the goal of sex is to, to orgasm, there's masturbation, there's oral sex, there's, you know, various other things that you can do. Um, you know, if, if the purpose of sex is to feel intimately connected with your partner, we can go through the exact same list of activities, you know, that we can do in order to connect with our partner besides having penetrative sex. There just mm -hmm. is. And, you know, and I'm sure we'll kind of touch on this a little bit later, but part of one of the ways that you start to feel sexy again is almost, you know how we talked about, like, it feels like you're kind of losing your virginity again. Sometimes you have to work up to it. You start mm -hmm. with making out, you start with handholding, you start with long gazes, you start with fondling, you start with, you know, all these other things mm -hmm. to build up so that you are inclined. So you're in the mind space that makes you feel sexy again. Mm -hmm. Right. So what you're saying is that the quality of intimacy and, you know, the quality of sex isn't just determined by penetration. Correct. You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, so if you're in a same-sex relationship, you know, this, this applies to you as well. Like penetrative sex, you know, whether it's using like fingers or a toy or something else to go into the vaginal, you know, into the vagina after giving birth is not the only type of sexual act that you need to engage in to elicit pleasure. Yeah. You know, there's so many other types of, um, there's so many other types of sex. And even if it is, you know, between two males, just any sort of penetrative sex alone does not have to be the only thing that we define ourselves as this is the thing that gives us pleasure. In fact, a lot of people describe oral sex to be much more pleasurable. Mm-hmm. I think there's some benefit to that too in exploring these things with your partner because when we're talking about penetrative sex, you're talking about the exact same places that are the mm -hmm. um, epicenter of your trauma. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Like every sensation that you were feeling, whether it was preterm contractions or a traumatic delivery or traumatic healing after a delivery, something like that, it's all right there. Yeah. And so um, – I think that's what I really struggled with too is like my I it would trigger flashbacks for me really early mm -hmm. on penetrative sex so I feel like um yeah I could definitely see a benefit of ha just having open conversations with your partner about what are some different things to try and explore mm -hmm. um it's such a good important reminder yeah. and you know to your point Natalie I could see I can see how this is it can it can be a new way to breathe a, a new part of your relationship, right? It's a breathing new life into your relationship because it's something you've never experienced before, right? Right. Um, so you're getting to explore these things that you didn't before because you were 20 and whatever before. And right. you were like, there's only one position, you know? And you're only 20. <laughs> well, and that's, that's exactly it is like, you know, um, things, positions that felt pleasurable before may not, um, you know, and one of the benefits sometimes of breastfeeding is that um, nipple sensitivity increases exponentially. And so that can be good and that can be not so good. Mm -hmm. And, you right, know, it can be messy. It can be, <laughs> it can be well, not only 
messy, but if people already have like sensitive nipples, like right. having them being like extremely sensitive, whereas before it might be like their partner was like, hey, if I brush or suck your nipples, that's a turn on for you. If you're extra sensitive in that area, it may be excruciatingly painful. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Natalie, would you be willing to just give us maybe like an example of, we ask you for conversational examples a lot, (laughs) but maybe for the mamas that are, you know, they haven't had this conversation with their partner because they haven't had to, maybe the sex drive was mutual and maybe, you know, it was, it always came very naturally for the couple, but maybe if a mama is, you know, needing to explain and, you know, kind of advocate for her body and how she's feeling about sex, what are, how are some ways that she can word it where maybe, you know, because there's always this thought in the back of, of a mind of like, well, maybe he's going to think it's them, you know, like he'll think it's him that's hurting me or, you know, that kind of thing. But really, it's just my body is different. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways to communicate that with your partner that makes it, you know, compassionate and also honest? Well, I think you can just be like, hey, sweetie, I <laughs> love you. And I think that you're hot. <laughs> and I am still very much into you. But after the experience that we have just had, the thought of having sex is really scary. Mm-hmm. So what if we just play around instead? Mm-hmm. Um, there is an app called the Gottman Card Dex, and it's free. And the Gottmans are amazing. They basically have just they're pioneers in terms of couples counseling. Um, But these decks have like a bunch of questions to ask each other to get to know your partner better. But they also have what they call salsa decks. And basically they are intimacy, physical intimacy based activities that you can um, engage in. And so, um, you know, be like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to have like vaginal penetrative sex but what let's pull out this card deck and let's you know do something else or you know let's dirty talk each other let's watch porn and see if we find things that turn us on let's role play let's try positions that we've never tried before you know so that it doesn't become about this thing that you're not doing but about the things that you can do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. That's a good way to think about it. I mean, and the baseline of all these things you're saying is like, you have to talk about it. Yeah. Right. Like, it, <laughs> yes. yeah. and, and it can, I can see how that'd be really hard too when you're still in the NICU because like you barely have time to think or do anything else. So, I mean, in your own time, find that space. And like Ashley said, maybe you've never talked about it before. And again, like sometimes I have to be like, Zach, turn around. I'm going to say this thing to you because yeah. I don't want to look into your face as I say. It. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and that's totally an okay thing. Like there are a couple yeah. of exercises where you know you sit back to back and you have conversations. Or how many of you guys have had like probably some of the best conversations when you're driving a car? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know where you're physically close to one another, but you're not making necessarily direct eye contact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, does direct eye contact increase intimacy? Sure. But if you're having difficulty, you know, talking to your partner about, you know, engaging in sex because you've had a traumatic birth and the thought of having another child literally sends you into a panic attack, sitting next to him or back to back is probably pretty okay to start that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, and I, I mean, my husband and myself, like we have our best conversations oftentimes when we're driving, like, you know, we are just able to be oftentimes not distracted by a phone, which Mm -hmm. is always helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are able to really have minimal distraction and just talk about things that are really important. Yeah. You know, and one of the tough parts is, is that, you know, as parents, quickies kind of become your best friend once you do start to get comfortable with sex because you don't have hours to engage Mm -hmm. in foreplay. Mm -hmm. But that's when things like, you know, um, depending on what turns you on and what gets you excited, you know, dirty talking over text all day or calling each other or doing Snapchat in ways, you know, as long as things, technology that is used in a sexual way is used responsibly and between consenting adults, you know, it can add an extra layer to your relationship. Mm -hmm. But both parties have to be comfortable. Both parties have to be consenting. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Natalie, it's not uncommon to 
look in the mirror after having a baby (laughs) and see the changes that childbirth or being pregnant has brought upon us. And sometimes that comes with its own level of grief, right? Especially for preemie mamas or mamas who didn't, who have lost that didn't have a full pregnancy and maybe not even a baby in their arms to show for those changes. We can feel a lot of resentment about our bodies. And so what are some self-compassionate practices that we can do that kind of get us realigned with our bodies so that we feel sexy again, so that we want to be desired again? Mm-hmm. So I think that is really huge. And, you know, part of that is really just having conversations with yourself, really challenging and reframing that self-talk when it's really, really negative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really treating your your body as your best friend. Mm-hmm. And, you can be friends with somebody for a very long time and they can disappoint you and let you down and you can be furious with them. I'm thinking of my sister. I love you to death, (laughs) but you know, like, you know, she's my best friend, but we're sisters. Have we fought? Yes. But at the end of the day, are we going to be related? Yes. Mm -hmm. She's never getting rid of me and I'm never getting rid of her and I don't want to, but sometimes you have to have conversations that are tough and you have to have conversations that are compassionate and just full of love. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that conversation is just, I get that you are grieving that things did not go the way that they were supposed to. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Let's just hold that for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then it has to be, I get that, you know, things did not go the way that they were supposed to. And I am so sorry. And yet we can still experience pleasure and happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. Here I go with my like tagline. Always use the word and in there. Yes. No, not yeah. but, you mean? Yes. Not yeah. but. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Yes. Now everything, everything Everybody, hey. feels like a double entendre in this episode for some reason. If ass play is your thing, then let it be your thing. <laughs> like, that's fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a really different flavor of an episode for us. It is. It. <laughs> I love it. I think moms are going to love it, though, because these are things that we just don't talk about. And yeah. especially after trauma or birth trauma, like, we are just different people emotionally. And so yeah. I think this episode will be really fun and really affirmative that, like, it's not you. Like, you're not going crazy, girlfriend. Things happened in your body. This is why yes. things feel different, you know? Yes. Well, and I think, you know, it's, and I like to kind of, you know, talk about things and laugh about things because sex ultimately is fun. Mm -hmm. You know, sex should be fun. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you think about like real intimacy, like some of the most intimate, you know, moments that you've had with your partner are probably not like these passion fueled things, but are the times where you like look at each other and you're like, what the hell was that? And you laugh. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when you, like when you were first in a relationship and you try to do all the crazy sex things and you <laughs> knock somebody unconscious or you get a bloody lip or, you know, you lose a pair of underwear or things like that. Like you laugh because it's fun, mm-hmm. you know, and that is part of what sex brings to our lives is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so bringing that back into your life as slow as it needs to be, because it can be slow and that is absolutely acceptable Mm -hmm. is needed. Mm -hmm. There you go again with your one hit wonders and then your like incredible voice and delivery. I I was like, (laughs) right after you said that, I'm like, well, we could just end right here. That was perfect. (laughs) Thanks for for being on the show now. (laughs) You're welcome. Have a good day. (laughs) so good well if it's okay with everyone here I think we have some great questions that came in from NICU mamas around the country Uh, we posted an anonymous (laughs) we posted an anonymous form online and asked them to give us their their craziest their most sincere questions that they had about sex after NICU and birth trauma. And they, they came in full force. It was so wonderful to see mamas being vulnerable and reaching out. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think, again, society likes to tell us that women should not be sexual based beings, but we are. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause we're right. humans. And we should be. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, one question that a mama asked was, 
is it normal to not feel attracted to your spouse? And if it is normal, how long would be a reasonable time frame? Yeah, that's totally normal. I was watching a movie um, and I don't necessarily, uh, this is, it's one of those movies where like you just are like kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel and <laughs> you're just like, what are we going to watch? I don't know. Right. Um, but the movie is called um, Fun Mom Dinner. And it's like kind of like a one of those genres of like bad moms. And sure. these two dads are talking. And this one dad was like, you know, the best advice I have for you is to cut yourself some slack. And he's like, what? He's like, we have just like set the bar so low that we just consider it like a triumph if we like each other for three or four months out of the year. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and he's like, are they consecutive? And he's like, no, they don't have to be consecutive. They're just, you know, three or four months of the year. Like, it is normal to not be attracted to your spouse 24-7 because that's being human. And I think if you are going long periods of time and how to define long periods is, is tough because it depends on the person. But I mean, if we're talking about, you know, month after month after month after month after month of, you know, um, not feeling sexy, not having a sex drive, not being attracted to your partner, that might be, you know, kind of a, a clue that maybe there's something else kind of going on, whether it's trauma or depression or whatever else. But again, it's also very common to not feel attracted to your partner if you're touched out like we talked about or exhausted or don't have five minutes to yourself. You know, um, you see all like the like the Ryan um, Gosling memes, like the the porn mom memes. What's like, hey, sexy, I did the dishes. So now you right. can go. Yes. <laughs> Book and a glass of wine. Like those are things that we need to consider like that can make help help you feel sexy. Um, kind of tangent, here we go. But for a majority of women, sex begins in the mind and not the body. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about uh, a mom that has to do 75 things, keep their house, manage kids, deal with trauma, deal with work, deal with the spouse, deal with um, parents, in-laws, siblings, whatever else. And then they're supposed to like feel sexy. There's not a lot of room up there to feel sexy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the tips that you we do give partners is, you know, what can you do to relieve their stress? Mm-hmm. Stress is a sex killer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, is it normal to not feel attracted to your spouse? Yeah, it is. What's a reasonable time frame? I don't think we can kind of give it a time frame. Um, But I would think if after two months you are struggling to find pleasure in things that you used to enjoy, it's a good time to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that brings up a – it's a good connector to this next question here. Someone said – well, it, there's are two questions back to back. One says, when will I start to forget about these traumatic feelings? When can I move past it? And someone else says, how do I get over it hurting emotionally and physically? Um, first thing, friends, you need to start being more compassionate with yourselves and the way you write your questions. You are lovely and you deserve good things. That's all I have to say. Natalie, would you would you like to take away for those questions? Yeah. So Forgetting about traumatic feelings, you probably won't ever forget about the traumatic feeling. You may not feel it anymore, but, you know, I think we can all look back and be like, oh, that was, that time I broke my leg was painful or, oh, you know, like that contraction or that giving birth was extremely hard. We may not feel it again, but we will still recognize that that was a hard time. But part of working through trauma is, is, is moving past it. And what can you do to move past it is, is really to, to probably to get help. You know, mm-hmm. reaching out, doing therapy, you know, doing physical therapy, um, you know, talking to your healthcare provider. If, if these are things that are, are standing in your way from living a really enjoyable life, then reaching out is really your best step. And how do you get over it hurting emotionally and physically? Kind of like I said, you have to talk about it. Mm 
You have to deal with it. You have to treat it. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to think about it for six months because all that it does is fester and it just takes longer to like clean out the wound. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm wondering for moms that are maybe new to therapy in general, is it taboo to ask your therapist about sex or is that more so in our head? Uh, no, you, you should talk to your therapist about sex probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just think like sometimes it can feel first intimidating to like schedule that appointment. Oh yeah. And then two, to be like, oh, by the way, I want to talk about sex. So it's good to know <laughs> that there's that open door. <laughs> yes. Well, and because I mean, you talk to your therapist or you talk to, you know, about like these intimate things and, and not being satisfied with sex, you know, there's things that we can help you with. And if not, I mean, if if there's something really specialized, like we can definitely refer to a sex therapist, depending Mm -hmm. on kind of what's going on. But a lot of times, even just talking about like, I am not satisfied with my husband or my wife and just being like, man, that's okay. You don't have to be satisfied. Just being validated in that can be like, yeah, that's right. I don't have to be satisfied all the time. (laughs) I don't have to want to have sex all the time. Oh, that's an okay thing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, and speaking about satisfaction, right? You mentioned it in the beginning of the episode, but you're hoping that we're all coming a little bit more after this episode. So (laughs) let's talk about satisfaction. So let's say that, you know, you are a mama that longs to have more sex with her partner and things just feel differently, but you long to have enjoyable sex again. Mm -hmm. What are some simple tips or gentle practices that a mama can do to get herself in that mindset and get excited about sex? So one of the best things that you can do, um, and I understand that there oftentimes can be a societal taboo and for some people a religious conviction, but is masturbation. Um, masturbation is w- very healthy. Um, and if you want to know what to tell your partner that feels good, finding it out yourself is a really safe way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, Masturbation is is a very healthy, a very normal. I mean, we can see just animals in nature do it. Um, they talk about you know infants, you know self fondling. Um, they don't necessarily like orgasm, but it feels good, so they do it. Like it's just a normal part of being a human. And so, if you have trauma, or even if you're just trying to like ease into having sex postpartum, masturbating and knowing what feels good can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, thinking about like, wow, when I masturbate, I notice I'm really dry or I'm experiencing a lot of vaginal dryness. Um, You know, that is a great indicator that having some sort of lubrication is, is very helpful. Or, you know, these are the things that are really turning me on. This is what I can tell my partner to do to help turn me on as well. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this feels really sensitive or this feels awkward or, you know, whatever else it is. Masturbation can be a key to really unlock a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And so also talking to your partner just about that this is what feels good. This is what I'm enjoying. And, you know, asking about, I mean, having really talk about deep conversations, like what are you guys' masturbatory preferences? You know, if you're going to go look at porn and you're going to look at all the different categories, what are they going to pull up? You know, what are their fantasies? What are they into? These are all things, again, that allow you to connect to your partner, even if it's not through like a penetrative sex, but through something else. I mean, not to get too graphic, but like, let's say they're really into big boobs and you're breastfeeding, they may not need penetrative sex. Like, <laughs> you'd be like, okay, I'm just going to like put off pumping for like 20 minutes and we'll see what we go with. Like, like, again, like the more that you know your partner and the more open right. you are with your partner, the easier that this can become. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then that open communication is like the gosh, what it, it means it's like a remedy for the shame and the stigma that's around it, right? Because the more you talk about it, the more comfortable you'll get. And then the, the deeper the intimacy is, right? Yes. Yes. Well, I guess we all have homework now, but <laughs> <it's> true. <laughs> 
Go get your Gottman cards, guys, and go yes. have some fun. <laughs> you know, it's the Gottman cards are amazing. Um, you know, there's tons of like fun sex decks and and things like that. Um, you know, exploring things is is great. You know, if you've never watched porn together, you can try that. If you've ever talked dirty to each other, you can try that. You know, um, think about it again as this foray into your relationship, but just on a different level. And it really becomes this awesome opportunity to reconnect. Yeah. Because, you know, again, with prior to pregnancy, if it was unplanned, it can come as a surprise. But if it was planned, sex has lost a lot of its mystery and has become very perfunctory, mm-hmm. especially with infertility when you become like the science experiment. It's like, nope, we can't have mm. sex now. Um, we have to have sex at 1132 tomorrow when I hit my ovulation peak. Right. You know, right, sex right. loses like, its funness. Yeah. Right? Like when I peed on the stick this morning, it told me we should have sex now. Right. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, and Natalie, that's one question I have for you is you talked about how how penetration isn't the only sign of a successful relationship or sexual intimacy as a couple, but also what are your thoughts on like scheduling sex? Like I know for some moms, especially recovering, you know, mentally and emotionally, sometimes it just helps to prepare. Mm -hmm. And so what are your thoughts on that? If it works for you, do it. I mean, again, when it comes to sex, as long as it is consensual and you know, like you are consenting and you are adults, you do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if it's scheduling, if it is, you know, role play, if it's masturbating before so that they're able to last longer, like there's all sorts of things. Like whatever you do, you, it's sex. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the great part. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to know about it except for you and your partner. Right. And I love that the common theme throughout this is ultimately to pursue connection again with your partner and with yourself. And so I love that that common theme is present, that it's all about enjoying yourself again and also your partner and something that's designed to be really fun. Intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is connection. Tons of people have sex with, with other people, and it doesn't mean that they're intimate, like in that sense. Intimacy mm-hmm. is about connection. Mm-hmm. Which again, that kind of goes back to one of those points at the beginning. Just because somebody has, a couple has sex six days out a week doesn't mean that they're any less intimate or any more satisfied than the couple that has sex once a month. Mm-hmm. Well, mamas, it's been a real blast having this chat with you. I know it's maybe a little bit different than previous episodes, but we hope you've had as much fun as we have had. We just want to affirm that it's okay. It's okay if you are still navigating what sex looks like for you and your partner after a traumatic birth or a NICU stay. And just know that healing is lifelong. And pleasure and intimacy and sex with our partners will be rediscovered and discovered throughout our lives together. And so we hope that this episode gives you guys the courage. It also just gives you permission to begin to explore those fun new realms with your partner again. And so thank you so much, Natalie, for your gentle and compassionate voice in a topic that can sometimes be uncomfortable to talk about. And so today, mamas, we've just acknowledged the trauma that you've endured. And we also want to just give you permission to enjoy sex again. And so sending you all of our love this Valentine's Day. We'll come at you next week with part two, where we talk with a physical therapist about things like pelvic floor and kind of exploring more of the physical changes that happen in our bodies. So mama, we will talk to you next week. And Natalie, thank you so much again. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.